This segment of the Bystander Podcast is brought to you by Eagle Harbor Insurance. We don't sell insurance, we help people buy it. This has always been their motto and continues. They understand every family has different insurance needs, be it coverage or premiums. No two cases are the same, and they will always do their best to guide you into the proper coverage to fit your budget. They are here to help anytime. Give them a call at 206-842-7410 or contact them online at eagleharborinsurance.com. Today's podcast is brought to you by Blue Canary. The bird has landed on beautiful Bainbridge Island, conveniently located at 499 Madison Avenue. ASE Master Technician Clint Ramsey brings over 15 years of experience, award-winning diagnostic skill, and a desire to reinvent the automotive repair experience. Schedule an appointment online at bluecanary.biz or call them today at 206 206- 451-4220. Our podcast is brought to you by That's the Sum Pizza. Using a 120-year-old starter from the Klondike Gold Rush, they make unique sourdough crust that can't be found anywhere else in the world. That's the Sum Pizza also delivers wine and beer. Call 206 842 2292. Order online at thatsasum.com or download That's the Sum Pizza app on Android and iOS. Congratulations to the team of Alan Raymond and Will Grant, who brought home the first place trophy from the recent Caputo Cup at the Pizza and Pasta Show in Atlantic City. I got something for your mind, body, and soul. I got something for your mind, body, and soul. All right. Hello, Podcastville. Welcome back. We're midway through season two here on the Bystander Podcast. It's been well a while since we've talked to you. I have some great guests in the studio today. Welcome to Studio 15, my son Vincenzo. Kai. Hello. Good to see you again. And we have Jessica from the Island School to talk a little bit about girls and math. How are you doing today, Jessica? I'm great, thanks. And before you... You came to the island. You were over in Bellevue in a little school over there. Yeah, true? I worked at the at a school in Bellevue. Yes. And what kind of school was that? Uh, it was an independent school, similar to the island school. It's called the Little School. It's um, progressive, uh, sort of lots of hands on, lots of great uh, exploration of the woods, lots of uh, net natural learning, things like that. Whereabouts in Bellevue is that located? Um, it's right around uh, if you know. Sort of the interchange between Kirkland and Bellevue, sort of right over uh, off North Up, okay. Northeast 20th, and then it kind of intersects with sort of the area where it's like Washington Boulevard. And what kind of grades, grade, grades um, or age? Yeah, there? that school is preschool, so starting around age 3 through 12, age 12, not grade 12. They have ages, not grades. So, you know, it's a uh, it's an ungraded school. And. What made you come to the island and start teaching at Island School? 
Oh, well, it was it was not that quick of a transition. <laughs> so I taught at the at the little school for about nine years, 10 years. Um, and I left that position in 2013. And then I've had a few years of running the, my summer camps and moved to the island. And then I took the position at the little school or at the island school. It's it's still a little in. <laughs> it is still a little in. It's right. And it's in the woods. And it is. Um, I took that position at the island school just in September. Oh, congratulations. Welcome to the island. Thank you. So what made you um, come out to the island? Well, I lived on the island as a kid. No so, way. Yeah, yeah. So um, I was born in Bremerton. Bremelo. Yeah, at Harrison Hospital. My, pa- my parents lived here. Um we moved to the island when I was maybe four, I think, from Silverdale, and then lived here until I was eight or seven, and something in there. And then we moved over to the Seattle side. And, um, and then when I had my little baby, I thought, where's a good place to raise a kid? And so we moved over here. Awesome. Hey, so you have this uh, Girls Rock Math uh, summer camp, or is it a camp that goes on all year long? Um, it's primarily a summer camp. We do break camps, but right now that's only in Seattle. So how many locations does this camp um, go at? I think we are at seven this year. Yeah, seven. Is it all relative to schools or is it an independent thing? Or? Um, it's all independent, mostly. So we do have the location at the Island School this year. So that is actually um, one of my only locations in a school. Um, and that's on Bainbridge. That's very exciting that we're doing that this summer. Um, and then my other locations are Shoreline, um, all, several throughout the city of Seattle and then Bellevue. And where do you find the staff for this? Uh, they're all teachers. Um, so all the island school teachers or all the island school summer camp staff are teachers at the island school. Um, and then most of the staff at other locations are teachers from various schools. Um, a lot of them have been with me for like three, four, five years. So they just come back every summer, which is great. And is your background primarily in um, grade school? Yes. So I taught elementary school for all of my career up until the time I started the summer camp. Um, I taught at the little school in Bellevue, um, usually like seven, eight, nine-year-olds. And yeah, so. If we could encapsulize exactly what this camp is and it it's a thought process and curriculum. Could you do that for me? Oh, yeah. So the idea of Girls Rock Math is that it's really, it's hands-on, it's super engaging. Um, and the idea behind that is that it's confidence building. Um, so we take um, a theme, make a really creative, enticing theme for the camp. So the one that we're doing um, for the older kids on Bainbridge this summer is called Bead Dazzling Math dazzling um and so all of the activities that the kids are going to do in summer camp have to do with jewelry making and design and beading and so through that they'll do all sorts of um, mathematical patterns and problem solving and learn about really cool stuff like fibonacci um or uh, fractals and just really cool stuff that uh, they might not learn about in class at school um just to bring the idea that um there's lots of great math out there that maybe you're not exposed to when you're working in your school textbook. Vinny, is Bedazzle the game as well? I'm um, not sure. Maybe. 
Oh, I think there is a game called Bedazzle that's like where you pop all the gems, <laughs> you know, you get addicted to it on your phone. That's <laughs> it. Did you have a question for? Yeah. yeah. Um, what range of kids are in like your summer camp? Are they just like one age group? No. So the kids, if you finished kindergarten and you're going into first grade, that's the youngest kids that we have. So sometimes they're not quite six yet. Um, and then the oldest kids are 12, probably just finished, or not 12, probably 11, if they've turned 11 in fifth grade, because we go through sixth grade. So first through sixth grade. Um, and then thinking of range of kids, when he says that, I think about like types of learners. Um, and so a lot of times people hear math camp, and they're like, oh my God, that's for like the super mathy kids that are really, really, really great at math. Um, and we have those kids that come to camp and they love it. Um, but we also get a huge range of kids, just typical everyday students um, and also kids that struggle in math and their parents are like, hey, this might be a really great way to get them to, you know, see math in a new light. So. I know as a, a toddler, you, you're starting to teach math in, in certain ways to your kid how to count stuff like that how do you feel about kids using their fingers when they're trying to figure out math problems oh they totally should use their fingers i guess and i can't cite it specifically but there's definitely been research that shows like that that tactile uh, manipulation of fingers is super beneficial and i guess that they've also found and again i can't cite anything because i didn't bring it with me (laughs) but there was definitely a study that showed that people that count on their fingers are actually better at math in the long run. I believe so that. Go for it. Count on your fingers. Don't discourage it. And we don't fact check on the bystander. So say, okay. what, say what you Perfect. like. <laughs> um, what are some of the things that you introduce mathematically to kids um, prior to that age? Prior to? Five or oh. going to camp. What are some good things parents could use to uh, start encouraging math at an early age? At an early age. Well, so preschool is not my... You know, I haven't worked with that age a lot, but I have a two-year-old and he's counting and I'm so surprised at like things that he can do and count. So I think just the more um, the more that you play with numbers and say numbers and spot them in your surroundings and talk about them and, um, you know, the orders of things and the shapes of things and the patterns that you see, the better, right? And And also just, you know, Never give your kids the idea that math is hard or that you're not good at math, even if you weren't somebody who felt good at math. You know, keep that a secret. (laughs) I I was curious about this, too, at an early age. How do shapes translate into math for young minds? Oh, well, there's a lot of research that shows. So this is actually good because this goes kind of into the boy-girl, kind of uh, some of the challenges that – have been found um, with the way that we look at how um, girls are taught math and how boys are taught. And of course, they're taught in the same room, but how that sort of... Yeah, I want to get into that for sure. Yeah. So like, for example, um, a lot of parents will provide blocks for their little boys, right? You know, build towers and trains and whatever you're going to build. But they may not think to provide that for their daughters um, because, you know, the way toys are marketed... Yeah, uh, yeah. boys are given trucks and cars and blocks and girls Legos are given and dolls. girls are given dolls and little houses and cooking and, you know, all of that. And this is, you know, that's a, that's an old thought, right? Oh, totally. Old grow thought. up and get domesticated. You know, yeah. math is not important. Yes. And that find is find a man. Yeah. We don't, we don't, we don't preach that. Um, but the, uh, 
the um, of course now there's so many more toys that are aimed for girls and are STEM related, and of course this is this is huge and awesome. But um, like part of that comes from all these studies that have shown that little girls um, don't have as much block play, and then their spatial reasoning isn't as great. So um, like early encouragement of blocks and building and construction and all of that stuff is good for all kids. And then they'll th- there have been again I'm going to cite a study and have no evidence of what that study is but um where you know in preschool classrooms they'll look at you know kids and the amount of time that they'll play in the like construction block area in the classroom and they'll find that you know boys play much more in there and and then when they look at how they do problem solving later there's a little bit of a boost that kids get from just that abstract sort of play. Um, How do these pieces fit together? What can I, how can I balance this? All of that sort of early scientific thought, um, mathematical thinking. Uh, So sometimes preschool teachers will be told like, hey, why don't you have a girl's day and a boy's day? Allow the girls to put blocks, play with blocks or um, put toys in there that the girls are going to be more likely to be drawn to in the block area, like make uh, little, put little people in there or little horses or whatever. And then they'll start building barns and they'll start building castles or whatever they want to build. Whereas, um, you know, they may not be drawn to that area naturally, especially if the first thing the boys do when they get to preschool in the morning is dive into the block area. Then it becomes, oh, that's the boys' thing. We're going to go to the dress-up area. Oh, okay. And this is very, like, stereotypical and sort of gender, like, lines being drawn and, like, oh, boys are this way and girls are that way. And we know that that's not true. But looking globally, um, you know, when they're looking at these things, you know, in a, in a large study, they do find there's a lot of norms in these areas. So, yeah, Vin- Vinny, you were uh, good about participating in the dress-up area when you were a young buck that's for sure do you think that's the reason um lincoln logs and legos is that their design behind them that was problem solving building you know figuring out what fits what works well i don't know if that was the intention behind them but that's certainly the result mm-hmm. um i think that's really good for kids and that's one of those like you know things if you look at the legos that i played with in the 80s Right. They were all the same. They were all red, yellow, green and blue or whatever. They didn't have instructions. And they didn't have instructions. And you just dove into the bucket and you just built. And it was awesome. And somehow over the last, you know, 30 years or whatever, marketing and, you know, all of the, the information that we get through commercials and all of that stuff has been really dividing um, between this is for girls and this is for boys. And now all of a sudden the Legos are like, oh, these are the Star Wars Legos and these are the, what are they called? Magic Friends or whatever the little My Little Legos. Pony. Yeah, the little girls Legos are totally different and the pieces are different and they build shopping malls. So this is this is a marketing issue. This is a society thing. And it's, <laughs> it's huge. It's not really. I just went dark when you said <laughs> making shopping malls. Oh, yeah. Is that what it is? It's like, you know, I'm going to build my little ice cream shop or my shopping mall or my little fashion studio. And it's like, you know, hey, let's give these girls some credit. Can't they design, you know, a rocket ship or, a, you know, submarine? Old school games. Um, what do you think is the standard for math? Is it Monopoly or is it some other game? Oh, man. You know, I mean, it depends on the age Blockus. of the kid. Oh, Blockus is fun. Blockus is a great game. Well, let's say fourth and fifth grade because Vinny's in fifth grade and you teach fourth grade. Well, yeah. I mean, honestly, math game? Uh, well, first of all, I think like every household should have a deck of cards, at least one. 
and like a whole bunch of dice. And I say, give your kids the deck and give your kids the dice and say, hey, let's create a game. What are we going to invent? I think that would be a much cooler math mm-hmm. problem than saying like, hey, let's play Rummy or Yahtzee or, or, yeah. or Yahtzee is a really good one. Like if you can't invent something, play Yahtzee. That's great. Then you got a question for Jessica? Yeah. Um, like, is there, how long have you been doing it? And like, has any of the people that have been in it, like gone like to like really good college, like Yale or like. <laughs> good something? question. So the camps, the first summer of camp started in 2012. Um, so I don't think any of our campers have gone to Yale yet, but I'm sure some of them will. I, I don't doubt that. Um, but, uh, so we've been doing it since 2012. The cool thing though, is that our camp has a leadership program. So middle school girls, um, can become counselors in training and they do a specific leadership program that's for middle schoolers. And it's all about, you know, building leadership skills and then high school kids can be counselors. And so we have had campers that are now high schoolers and they have been counselors and some of them have been counselors for like two or three years and were CITs. So that's really amazing to watch those kids go to high school and see what they're going to do with their lives. I think probably our longest term counselor this year might be a junior. So that's pretty awesome. And you have an educational background in teaching leadership through STEM, correct? Mm-hmm. And yeah. what does that constitute? Um, so that was a master's degree that I have. It's in educational leadership. So basically, you know, leading educational um, models of whatever kind. So that could be uh, you could take that and become a school principal or you could be, you know, a leader within your school community as a teacher or you could do something totally different like run a STEM camp, right? Um, and then involving uh, where the STEM comes in, just looking at like uh, best practices and latest research and, you know, uh, how is math, science, technology, engineering taught? You know, what are the models for that that are most effective and so forth? For the people that don't know, can you explain the difference between STEM and STREAM? Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Okay, so actually there's like three acronyms that are really common. So there's STEM, STEAM, and STREAM. So STEM is just science, technology, engineering, and math. So those are just the the super hardcore subjects there. Um, And then STEAM includes arts, which essentially I think Girls Rock Math has always done. Uh, We were doing it before STEAM was an acronym. (laughs) Um, So uh, because our our theme is art plus math equals fun. So we talk about that a lot. Um, And then STREAM includes reading, which is essentially – everything pretty much that you do at school except writing. So, you know, when you're looking at all of that, um, they're looking at how are those things integrated. So in a school model, if you said, oh, we're we're doing stream, it would be how does uh, reading connect with, you know, your science instruction and your um, math instruction and so forth, or how does art in, interplay with those subjects as well. So. So is your camp for, like, girls who have a fixed mindset on math or just, like... A growth mindset? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, our, like- our camp is for everybody. So if a kid comes in and they're just like, I'm bad at math, I hate math, math is terrible, our hope is over the course of the week through the experiences that they have at camp that they'll be able to grow and turn that around. Um, and that if somebody comes in already super excited about math and totally um, ready to take on any challenge, that we're able to provide that for them, and then they can be a leader in the group as well. So no matter where you start at, 
um, the camp can accommodate your learning capacity, whether it's advanced or behind. Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of my favorite things is like hearing from a parent or seeing kids, you know, who maybe came in super shy on the first day of camp and they're really like anxious about leaving their parents and nervous about starting. And then at the end of the day, they run into their mom's arms and they're just like, this was the best day ever. I love math. You know, and uh, one day I got an email from a parent who had just said, you know, my daughter so was so reluctant and really disliked math at school. And after the first day of camp, I, you know, came home and saw her playing school, you know, with her stuffed animals or whatever. And they were doing math and she was being math teacher and doing math camp so I thought oh that that's that's a really good sign that you know what we're doing um, works and a lot of the reason for that is that the camps are multi-age so there's always two grade levels at least in every camp so we'll have like first and second graders together or in the older grades it's fourth fifth and sixth so there's a lot of room for kids um, to stretch if they want to stretch or, you know, to work at a different level. But also the approach that we take for everything is um, problem solving and um, a lot of collaboration. So kids are never like looking at a worksheet with multiplication problems on them or something like that. That's just not what we do at math camp. They might be given a puzzle to work on um, that they can approach from whatever angle they're at. You know, the, so the easiest solution to solving the prob problem might be using multiplication or whatever. But if they can figure it out by drawing tally marks <laughs> on their paper, then that works for us. Like, just try it. We want you to give whatever it is a shot, um, really talking about perseverance and, like, tackling things that might be challenging for you um, and doing it in whatever way you feel good about. And then from there, that can be our starting point for building um, this more mathematical skills. Dumb question. You said the camp's for everybody. Mm -hmm. Does that include boys? Yeah, I mean, we've never had a boy enrolled. Um, if I, I don't <laughs> see a big demand of boys going, hey, I want to bust well, out the Boy Scouts, put a girl in the Girl Scouts. Yeah, you know, I think that Boy Scouts just said they're going to allow girls, which is interesting to me. Why do we have Girl that? Scouts if? Girl Scouts is an awesome organization, though. I mean, they're pretty, they really focus on empowering. And like a lot of the research on girls in STEM has actually come from the Girl Scouts organization. But um, back to your question, the boys in camp, sure, why not? I mean, the thing is, is I don't know if like, you know, getting into like gender terms, if like a cis male would feel like it's their place because, you know, our, we sing songs that are like, I am a girl, <laughs> you know, um, we have the girls rock math cheer. We do, um, uh, uh, every day there's a girl a festo that we say that's like, I am bright, smart, capable, adventurous, courageous, you know, kind, all of these things that they say each positive day, a lot of positive reinforcement. And then the whole thing is just catered around like empowering girls. So a boy who's there who identifies as a boy might be like, hey, why am I at this camp? You know, and if they are there, then then they have to be like, all right, cool. I'm going to respect this space. This is kind of this is their time to like be empowered. So it would be kind of, you know, it would be awkward if they're like, no, I'm a boy, you know, in the middle of the girl a festo. Right. Yeah. So I girl mean, a festo. Good <laughs> yeah. word. Yeah. So there's um there's that piece. But certainly like if a boy was like. I, dude, I love beads. There's nothing more in the world that I like than designing jewelry. And that's what I want to be doing for my week of summer camp. And they want to enroll, then they should. But they, they kind of just need to understand that the, the space is really geared towards them 
powering the girls. And if if it's a you know if we ever had a situation where it was like a kid who's you know maybe identifies one ad- way or the yeah, then of course like come with whatever you identify as. Yeah. So, uh, like, how does like if like one person really doesn't like math, and like kind of their mom makes them do it, like, and they don't have like good attitude towards it. Does it, is there anybody who's like, it sounds like a great camp, but is there anybody who's like came out like, it still doesn't change my mind? Yeah, I mean, that happens once in a while. There has been, so one of our camps, and this is, this happens almost always with this particular camp. We have a camp called Fashionably Smart. And it's really awesome because they do fashion design. Um, and it's for fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. So it's for that older age group. And there's been a, at least three times I can think of where a parent signed their kid up and was like, you're going to fashion design camp. <laughs> and then they get there and they're like, oh, my gosh, you signed me up for math camp. I hate math. Like, mom, how could you do this to me? And then they come in the first day, like, angry at their parents for being deceptive, which is understandable. Like, be straightforward with your kids. Like, I'm signing you up for math camp. Please tell them that that's what this is. Um, because, yeah, if you come in and you're, you know, angry at having been signed up for math camp deceptively, then it's hard to turn you around. But, I mean, even I think one of the times that we had a kid who came to the fashion camp and didn't know it was math did come out like, okay, yeah, it wasn't so bad. Um, uh, the other time I had a set of sisters and both of them were enrolled and they were just, they were not happy. <laughs> they weren't, and I, we couldn't win them over. And I mean, they did their fashion stuff, but you know, they were, they were really expecting like that. They were expecting Project Runway, you know? Yeah. And so, I mean, in that case, yeah, it's hard to turn someone around. So I think parents need to like say, you know what? We know math isn't your favorite thing. I found this camp, you know, they do math in a really fun way and I want you to give it a shot. So a lot of it has to come from that. And on the flip side, I will say also, sometimes we have families who are like hardcore, like we want our kid to be drilled this summer. We want their grades to be boosted. We want them to, you know, qualify for the highly capable program and we're doing everything we can. Well, don't send them to our program because we're not doing that. We're doing art and we're doing games and we are doing math and we're doing tons of it, but it's not it's not going to boost you, you know, to the next grade level in a week, right? <laughs> so on that hand, one time we had a... <clears throat> Uh, on Fridays, they play in the water because it's summer. And, you know, the afternoon after lunch, we do a water play day. And I had a mom, why would you play in the water at math camp? I said, well, it's really hot out. It's like 90 degrees. Let's play in the water. Like it's summer. Like we have recess. You know, it's not, it's not, you know, sitting in front of, you know, paper and pencil. Yeah, that stimulates your mind too to take a break. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's go a little deeper here. I've always thought that uh, young girls are academically better than boys in almost everything. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's been that way for a long, long time. Why is there a mindset with some girls, and maybe it's not a mindset, maybe it's biological, I don't think it is. Um, What makes a young girl feel like she's bad at math? Because it seems like a boy will go and go two plus two is five and be very adamant, he's absolutely correct. And score, you know, a lot lower than than the girl that's sitting there next to him that's saying, "I'm very bad at math." Why do you think that is? Okay, so let's go back. I'm gonna I'm gonna piece it out. Yeah, gotcha. I'm gonna start like if you look from like kindergarten to taking SATs. So we've got a long scope of education, right? In 
that time. So like the first thing is, is if you look at like kindergartners, and this is another study that I don't have the citations for. Don't um, fact check. <laughs> right. Um, so you look at kindergartners and of course what teachers don't want and they're always like, raise your hand, wait your turn, wait to be called on, right? And then you have the kids who are like, seven, like you said, and we don't even know if that's the right answer. Well, there's something about that risk-taking behavior um, that you're like, yeah, I'm going to try this even if it's not right, whatever. I think I'm right, and that's great. <laughs> Versus that I'm going to w- think about it for a really long time, make sure I'm right, and then I'm going to raise my hand when I'm 100% sure, and then if the teacher calls on me, then I won't be embarrassed. So there's those two different you know, ways of being. Um, for whatever reason, because of probably conditioning or maybe it's biological, I don't know, it's more likely that a girl is going to sit there and wait her turn and wait to be called on. Except for me, I was not a kid who waited to be called on. I was a blurter for sure. Got in trouble for it all the time. Um, that there's something about that mindset that when you're able to take that risk and get a mis- make a mistake and then figure out that you got it wrong as like whatever neurological processes happen in your learning, that over time – that what we would consider like poor behavior actually is beneficial to people. So it like makes you better risk taker. It makes you like more likely to try something that looks hard and so forth. So in the end, like kids who just wait quietly versus kids who are more enthusiastic, even if they're wrong, end up um, doing better. So, you know, versus kids who are like more cautious. So there's that. Um, And of course, there's boys and girls in both categories. I think when they look at the numbers, there's more boys in the blurred out category, like you said. Um, And then like if you look at test scores, uh, kids do the same or girls often do better, like depending on the tests. But up and through up through like fifth grade or so, testing is really, really similar with girls scoring slightly above boys in every area, including math. So that's true. And in high school, girls tend to take more AP math classes. Girls tend to do um, take get better grades in math than boys. So that is also true. So then why is there a STEM gap, right? Why is there this gap where we're like, oh, there's not very many women in STEM? Um, and so I think that's that's the essential question. Um, yeah. There's no no difference in like brain development. Girls are not inherently bad at math and boys are not automatically good at math there's nothing like that and, genetically and math dominated business fields right it's usually dominant by men yeah. correct right yeah. well and i think like first of all up until like 30 years ago all fields <laughs> were dominated by men. well said so, so like in that sense you know there's there's a little bit of an uphill Back battle to the shopping mall right you know so there's that um but then also you know there's there's a lot of uh, research that's gone into this because they're like, well, this is kind of a weird thing. Why is this a problem? Um, it starts in middle school. They call it a confidence gap. And so it's exactly what you were talking about even earlier with the like two plus two is five or whatever, right? Um, a boy can get like an 80, uh, get like a 90 on a test and be like, oh, I'm awesome. And a girl gets a 90 on a test and it's like, oh, I'm horrible. <laughs> like, I'm so bad at this. And that's a mindset thing. You know, that's where, like, you know, perfectionism, this idea that you have to be perfect, that you have to get everything right in order to be good, all of these things. And I don't know who pushes this on kids, but it happens. It's probably a social pressure. Absolutely. And um, a lack of role models, too. I mean, 
Who who is showing the standard for young ladies when it comes to math and math related fields? Right. Well, not many. So I think that that's part of the problem. I love that um, I was just at the Pacific Science Center not long ago. And on one of the walls in the building, it was just like all these famous flops, like all these people who tried things and failed over and over and over again. And I think that that needs to be something that is pushed more in our society. Like it's okay to fail. Failure is what makes you better at something. But as of now, there's too many people that get caught up and like, I'm not good enough unless I'm good all the time. Do you think young girls are more fearful of not being correct? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And it goes back to, you know, this like be seen and not heard and little girls are quiet and sit with your legs closed, which, you know, is polite anyway. But, but you know, all of these things that girls are told, whereas boys are, it's more like boys will be boys and, you know, oh, there they go and, you know, all of that stuff. And I think that's a real double standard. Uh, when you see a girl, you know, hor- horsing around, there's a problem with her behavior. If you see a boy horsing around, it's like, oh, well, that's what they do. Um, and then also on the flip side, if you have a little boy who's like super quiet and studious and artsy, they're like, eh, he's quiet. Hmm. <laughs> you know, why isn't he out there playing with all the other kids or whatever? So I think that anytime there's kids that are outliers from the expectation, then people try to shut that down in whatever way, like go out there, you know, to the little boy, go out there and play with the other kids, or I'm going to put you in sports or whatever it is. Um, And so I think that that's part of the problem, but mainly it's a confidence dip for starting around middle school. And I can go into that more if you want to, or we can. Yeah. I I feel like there's some type of growth mindset and a fixed mindset equation to this. And there's also a confidence in in boys versus girls and mm-hmm. that's kind of stoic you know I'll wait till I have all the information get all my ducks in a row kind of a lack of a free spirit to you know be called out and say this this is wrong where do I go from here I'm devastated versus I'm wrong hey let's go seek that seek out the right answer yeah and I also think like even in the last what, seven years that I've been running these camps, like I have seen, there's so much work around girls in STEM and, and growth mindset and all of that, that um, even within, you know, the counseling tra- counselors, when we train them, I'm seeing so much difference in the way that the 15-year-olds were five years ago versus 15-year-olds today. So I think all of that is really good. But statistically, like what ends up happening is say you're a really smart girl and you're put into an AP class And all of a sudden you look around and there's one other girl with you and, you know, 18 or 20 boys. All of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm outnumbered. Is this really where I want to be? All my friends are in the other math class. Um, Am I going to stick with this or am I going to, you know, maybe it's just better for me to go to the other group. Hopefully that's not happening as much anymore, but it was certainly happening a lot. Um, And that's part of what happens in college. So if you're like, yeah, I'm going to be an engineering major. And then you're like, oh, I'm one of like 10 women in the field, in the whole program, in my university or whatever. It's discouraging. And, you know, in a lot of ways, it's still a man's world. And, you know, if you um, if you look at if you look at how things are presented or how things are um, advertised to you as a student, like, hey, this is the robotics club, and you look at like what they're doing, you're like, oh, I don't know if that's for me, um, versus if it's uh, because of the way that they're, you know, let's build 
you know, fighter robots or whatever might not be as exciting as building, like, let's try to build a robot that can, you know, I don't know, help the world in some way. Let's build a robot that, you know, measures, um, I don't know, chemicals in water or whatever. You'd be like, oh, I want to be able to do that. That'll help clean up the environment. So I think that, you know, looking at how things are presented, there was um, a study that was done um, where they gave kids – I think they were high school kids, but they gave them flyers for two different um, coding programs. And it showed like a picture of the room, like come code in this classroom and you'll learn how to code and blah, blah, blah. And one of the classrooms had like pictures of video games on like video game posters on the walls and, um, you know, showed a bunch of uh, whatever, just kind of male oriented imagery in the classroom itself. And then the other was sort of a neutral classroom, nothing on the walls or whatever. And when they presented the the po- the, the advertisement with um, the male-oriented stuff, it had a very low number of girls that wanted to enroll versus the neutral one. It was like 50-50. So I think a lot of it is how stuff is presented. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I have a comment. Mm-hmm. It's like I do think a lot of girls, when they see of like – when they get something wrong – it's kind of more of like a, in my class, sometimes some people just get like really discouraged when it happens, even though like, like the smartest person in our class is a girl and she's really smart, but like a lot of the other girls like don't really, they're not really, they're not really like positive when they get something wrong. So it's like kind of just like. Do they take the news a little bit harder than? Perhaps you do when you get something wrong? Well, not really because I care about, I think I care about it a lot and I think the girls care about it a lot. And like, not really, no. I do think some people sometimes just overreact because of the pressure. Like, Do you feel there's a lot of pressure to get things right? Yes, because we're getting into that stage. We're about to be in Woodward and our teachers are just to, and we're taking like career quizzes and stuff about like later in life. So if you get something wrong, it's like if I get something wrong at my job, it's not going to be like, oh, well, I can go on and just go on with my day. Mm. That's tough. That's a lot of pressure. What grade are you in? Fifth. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really worried about society's pressure and standardized testing and AP classes and what it does to the mindset of kids. And if Vincenzo here is 11 years old and he's worried about testing in school Mm -hmm. and that's all all he can think about, it's not really welcoming that pattern of thought that, hey, you're only going to learn if you get it wrong. Right. How do you feel about AP classes and standardized testing? I feel like I I ask you and then I tell you how I feel. (laughs) I, I just feel like, there's a lot of pressure to to obtain a test score so you could advance in an advanced um, class so you can get into a better college, so you can get better SAT scores. But yet that's above and beyond the standard curriculum that is being taught to people of a similar age. Mm-hmm. Do you think it has a negative or a positive effect trying to place these kids in advanced programs because they're honestly at that level or they've pushed and memorized things so they test well so they can get in these programs and they build these resumes, you know, starting at ninth grade. I, I know a kid the other day, um, ninth grader, 
absolutely devastated. He got a B plus in in some class this year, and he can't. He's already going down that vortex that I'm not going to get into the school that I want to go to. This is going to hurt my soccer chances, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, you can't even drive yet. You know, <laughs> why are you freaking out so much? Because they actually have worked very, very hard. He's very intelligent. Um, but he has this underlying pressure that's just overwhelming him on a constant basis. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's a lot of pressure on kids. Um, I mean, if you look at what happens in some countries where there's incredible pressure, uh, detrimental effects on kids, right? Won't go into details. Um, but uh, the um, the thing is, is like there are kids who without studying, without doing anything, will, would be able to go in and take an AP test and do great. And those kids need that, right? Because if they were in the standard curriculum, it would be boring because it was stuff they learned three years ago on their own when they were reading books from the library. They need to stimulate right? that growth. They need that. I think that when parents are like, my kid must succeed in order to succeed, we need to get them to this level. And they are like putting their kids in practice tests and doing extra tutoring after school and doing those kinds of things, I think that that's, I don't know that that's good for kids. I mean, it might be good in the long run for a career if the kid doesn't, you know, talk her out by the time they're 19, right? I think that's with anything. Right. So, I mean, I think that we need to allow children to be children. We need to allow them to learn. We need to hope that they find something that they love so that they feel like they're leading a meaningful life, whether that's soccer or theater or art or school, whatever it is, you know, that they have something that that they want yeah, um, of their own. Seems like there's not time for friends either because you have so many specialized extracurricular activities, whether it be the violin, soccer practice, math tutor. Yeah. You know, when are they running around with healthy body and mind just having fun being kids because you don't get a second chance at being a kid. No. And I got a kid up here raising his hand, dying to say something. <laughs> I, I think that's like not right because the time we make friends is when we do those extracurriculum. I don't know how to say that. Extracurricular activities? Yeah. That's when we make friends and that's like, that's kind of the reason like why we do those. So I, I know Ben, like my friend, he has it because of... Uh, his parents want him to succeed, and he likes it a lot. He thinks tutoring is what is. He likes it, and he's a football player. He's not like one of those people where he can like just is kind of just focusing on school all the time. So I think like extra activity, and he has like he has like friends, and he like seems like he does stuff all the time. But that's kind of how it gets, like how I get friends and how my friends get friends okay. is from those activities like soccer practice. All right. I'm putting you in math tutor tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's take a quick break here and uh, go to a little segment I call Fast Five. I'm going to ask oh, you five questions. You answer them as fast as you can with Fastly. the first thing that comes to the mind. Oh. What was that? Whispering. Whispering. Making like a, making the seat. <laughs> <laughs> Best math mind ever. Do, 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 do. 
Einstein. Okay. Next one. Favorite food for the brain. This is not very fast. <laughs> um, sweet potatoes. Okay. I would have gone with walnut, I think, but I'm allergic to them, so I wouldn't eat them. Uh, walnut's shaped like a brain. Oh, I see. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, but you're not being standardized, tested here, so this right. is <laughs> whatever you like. If you were a math hero, mm -hmm. which I think you are, Aww. what would your superpower be? Um. I would have the ability to rearrange things into incredible patterns that were really spectacular to witness. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm just picturing like, you know, clouds and really cool spirals and whatnot. I'm thinking kaleidoscope on Yeah, you. yeah. Hot or cold? Cold. Positive role model for math. What does that look like? Okay. So I'm going to speak to moms, particularly. Shout out to moms. Shout out to moms. Um, positive role model for math is uh, one who says, hey, when you bring your math kids, when your math uh, homework gets set on the table and you're like, cool, let's check this out. What is it? And instead of being like, oh my God, how are they teaching this these days or whatever? You're like, cool, that's not how I learned it. Let's show me what you know. How did your teacher show you this? And then, oh, wow, that's so cool. I haven't seen that before. Let's look on Khan Academy or let's find a YouTube video because I want to know more. What is Khan Academy? Oh, we do okay. Khan Academy. You do Khan Academy at school. Khan Academy is a website and it has tutorials of basically any knowledge that you want to know, anything from history to chemistry to math, started with math. Um, but uh, yeah, let's find out more and never like, oh my God, I'm bad at math. Ask your dad. You know, don't do that. So that's a math superhero to me. Yeah, don't do that. You do that. Well, <laughs> so a math superhero to me is someone who's like, yeah, let's uh, let's tackle this together. Vinny, you got any more questions for Jessica? Um, Not really a question. It's kind of like, see what your opinion is. Well, I guess that's a question. But how do you like, when, are there any like people who are like, when they come into the camp are like, just like, over the top like well I mean like how do you think if someone's like crazily smart and like just knows everything and they come to your pattern camp and they're looking kind of for that like next level stuff yeah and um do you think how do you think that affects them well so hopefully and this is one of the things that we try to do at camp is that we're teaching things that are not typically taught. Say you're a third grader and you go to camp, we're going to explore concepts that are totally approachable for your grade level with, and the understanding of math that you have, but are maybe new concepts to you. So my favorite is the Fibonacci sequence, which is this real Fibonacci was a mathematician. Do you know about him? Yeah, we did that in fourth grade. Okay, cool. So maybe that you would learn about the Fibonacci sequence and you'd um, get to do patterns and designs and math and adding using Fibonacci numbers. Um, so that would be one way is just introducing a concept that, yeah, you already know how to add, but let's do it in this really cool way. Um, the other way is um, by stretching their thinking, by providing puzzles and problems that 
hopefully they haven't done before, that can be approached in a whole myriad of ways. So, you know, there's not one um, way to solve it. There's lots of approaches. That's the other thing. Um, And also just if they really, if you have a kid who's like already been to camp 10 times and has done that stuff, then they get to be a leader. But most of our kids, um, the way the curriculum works is even if they come to camp every summer, they're not doing the same stuff. Do you consider a puzzle math? Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, yeah, absolutely. And how does it uh, transcend into being helpful by doing puzzles? I'm not talking about a puzzle like a jigsaw puzzle. I think there's mathematical components to that. I mean, spatially, you're trying to... Spatial awareness. Yeah, sure. When I talk about a puzzle, I might mean like trying to find the way that, you know... um, how many different figures you might see within a particular shape or how many, um, you know, there's one that's like how many triangles are within the shape and it's a whole thing of triangles and they have to figure it out and count it and then they can find that there's triangles within the triangles or whatever. You know, things like puzzles like that is more what I, when I'm talking about a puzzle or a mathematical puzzle, like a problem. Is there a – well, let's not go down there. I was like, you know, there's daily meditations and stuff. Is there – some type of app that gives you a, a daily puzzle question mm. that you use? I think that there's... Oh, Tell do you me. know? Oh, I mean, like a daily puzzle. Not really like a mind puzzle, but like jigsaw puzzle. Mm. <laughs> I think the New York Times has a column that's called Number File or something like that. And but Do you do Sudoku? No. Me oh, neither. Sudoku's the best. <laughs> it's fun. Like, I'll do it on the airplane, but I don't have time in my life to sit around and do those. Um but uh, yeah, so like there's there's all kinds of mathematical puzzles or like if you used to while well, you're in podcasting, you probably listen to like um, who are the the car guys on NPR click and clack click and clack. Right. Like they had a puzzler every week. I mean, mm. that is absolutely like using all kinds of deductive reasoning and critical thinking and problem solving and so forth. Like those are cool puzzles to try to do You know, go listen to the archives of car talk um <laughs> or um other puzzles like i uh there was a cool uh game that one of the kids showed me uh, a couple summers ago and i bought got the app for it It was called five dice um and it's just like a problem and you have to try to figure out like what the pattern in the dice is or something like that but i can't remember i don't have a whole list of apps offhand um one of my favorite math apps is kahoot it's like some thing where you get your own nickname and then they set the person that the teacher sets up a board of questions and the amount of time and uh there's four answers that you can choose and there's the big screen where teacher is and then you have your computer while everybody else does from the chromebook cart and then like you choose it but you also have like a nickname on the board or something and how fast you get it if you get it right is a point I don't know, like, a lot, depending on how fast you get it, how many points you get, it goes to, like, a large amount. It's really fun, but it's also educational. Thank you for the recommendation. I'll <laughs> check it out. Kahoot? Kahoot, yeah. Awesome. How do you spell Kahoot? Uh, K-A-H-O-O-T. You're ready for ESPN spelling bee, buddy. Well done. <laughs> Um, That's a whole nother round of crazy, like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> looking at the spelling world versus the math world. Jessica Christensen, Girls Rock Math. Where can people find more information about your camp? Girlsrockmathematics.com. 
All right. And when is the dates for the island camp? Uh, July. Oh, no, sorry. August 6th through 10th. All right. Young at the ladies. island school. At the island school. Taught by awesome, amazing teachers. So Sign up. Are you going to be there? Yeah, I'll be there. All right. I'm going to come check on you. Yeah, you should. You should come check it out. Well, I appreciate what you're doing and your dedication to math and young ladies. Thank you for coming into the bystander. Um, I look forward to seeing you around the neighborhood. Thank you. All right. Be kind. Thanks. It gives kids the opportunity to do math outside of school, but in a more fun way. So you're not just following this curriculum. Instead of giving us a bunch of math problems, they like figure out fun ways to do it. Every week, you're in Girls Math Math, you make different things. You're doing a project. I think that it couldn't possibly be related to math, but it is. I like everything about it. I love doing art. We got to do like a bunch of art projects, including math, and we got to read stories and go to the park. I had one daughter who was very reluctant in math, and I feel like Girls Rock Math has really helped her realize that math can be fun. And I have another daughter who already was pretty strong in math when she came in, but it just really broadened her idea of what she could do with math. The teachers are really nice. Whenever you have a new idea, they always listen to you. I love the teaching staff. They've been handpicked as people who are not only knowledgeable about math, but they have an energy that encourages the girls and nurtures their own personalities. I think it's a really great place for younger girls to meet new friends and have new experiences. She loved it from the first day. She loved it. It's really fun. Well, girls do rock math. And uh, boys do too, but there are no boys in this camp. I want my daughters to look at math and science as things that they can do and really tone down that negative voice that comes from outside of their environment. No one's gonna bring me down. No one's gonna bring me down. I am gonna run this town. I am gonna run this town. I am smart and so is she. If I would tell my friends, I would say, like, you should go there, you become braver. 